Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hey, team. Y'all can go ahead and open up your, uh, your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we want to give one to you for freezies, um, for free 99. Uh, if you want like a study Bible, we'll, we'll buy that too, because uh, we, we believe in the word. Um, go ahead and turn to Acts 8. We'll get there in a little bit. Um, and turn to your neighbor real quick and say, word. Cool. We're going we're gonna to get a lot of word today, team. We're going to get a lot of word. We, we, uh, we like to say uh, we, we always stay in the book, uh, but we think outside of the box here at Pinewood. Uh, and so uh, we're going to get a lot of the book today. Um, hey, uh, have you ever heard the phrase, um, fake it till you make it? Yeah, yeah. I work in tech, and it's kind of like a mantra for us, like, because everything's so complicated. Um, but I feel like um, we get this a lot with spirituality, too. Like, I think, especially in Boulder, we get a lot of people who are uh, faking it to make it. Um, well, I'll, I'll hear another phrase, too, that's like, hey, man, I'm not, I'm not religious. Uh, I'm just spiritual. Anybody else hear that? Yeah, yeah. It's always so like obvious to me. It's befuddled me. It's like an obvious thing. Yes, you are spiritual. God made us to be spiritual beings. In fact, the word, because uh, we're breathing, the word for air in Greek is pneuma. I'm sorry, I'm getting nerdy early. Uh, bear, work with me, team. Work with me. Pneuma, pneuma is air, but it's also synonymous with the word spirit. And so any, we, we breathe as much as we are spiritual. And so the question isn't, the question isn't, are we spiritual or not? It's what spirits do we listen to? That's going to be what we're, that's what we're, we're, we're living today. Here's another one. I hear this a lot, too. It's a, it's a hey, man, uh, man, that's just your truth. You're just living your truth. That's my truth. This is your truth. Um, but the problem is Jesus says that I am the way, the, the life. And so really, like, a man who doesn't believe in Jesus, it's not that he won't believe in nothing. He'll believe anything. He'll believe literally anything. And we see that a lot here in a place like Boulder. We see it a lot everywhere, but especially in Boulder. Um, and it's just a dead end. Uh, I'm going to go through a couple different verses that talk about the time we live in because the, the Bible was very clear about this time that we're in right now. In John, it says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Second Timothy says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Does that sound familiar? Second Corinthians says, And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. In a godless world, deities pass, or sorry, devils pass as deities. And uh, it's, it's easy for us to, to, to not really distinguish the difference, especially without Jesus. But it's really not about whether you believe in God or not. It's not whether you're spiritual or not. You are. It's about what spirit you're listening to. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about a man named Simon and the spirits he listened to. And then when he went to Samaria, how his heart was revealed because of the spirits that he listened to. And so we're going to be in Acts 8. We're going to read 9 through 24. And it's important, it's a longer verse, but it's important to get the context for everything we're going to talk about tonight. So y'all with me? 
Fantastic. Here we go. Acts chapter 9. I'm reading out of the Passion Version because reasons. Um, Now, there was a man who lived there who was steeped in sorcery. For some time, he had astounded the people of Samaria with his magic, boasting to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest among them was dazzled by his sorcery, saying, this man is the greatest wizard of all. The divine power of God walks among us. For many years, everyone was in awe of him because of his astonishing display of the magic arts. But Philip preached the wonderful good news of God's kingdom and kingdom realm in the name of Jesus, the anointed one. Many believed his message and were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon believed and was baptized. Even Simon believed and was baptized. Wherever Philip went, Simon was right by his side, astounded by the miracle signs and enormous displays of power that he witnessed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the Samaritans had accepted God's message of life, they sent Peter and John to pray over them so that they would receive the Holy Spirit. For they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and were yet to have the Holy Spirit fall upon them. As soon as Peter and John arrived, they laid their hands on the Samaritan believers one after another, and the Holy Spirit fell and filled each one of them. When Simon saw how the Holy Spirit was released through the laying of the apostles' hands, he approached them and offered them money, saying, I want this power too. I'm willing to pay for your pay the anointing that you have so that I can also lay my hands on everyone to receive the Holy Spirit. Not great, dude. Peter rebuked him and said, your money will go with you to destruction. How could you even think that you could purchase God's supernatural gift with money? You will never have this gift or take part in this ministry, for your heart is not right with God. Repent this moment for allowing such wickedness to fill you. Plead with the Lord. Perhaps he would forgive you of your treachery of your heart. For I discern that jealousy, envy has poisoned you and blinds you as a captive to sin. Let's pray real quick. Hey, Father, um, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what it teaches us. Lord, I pray for everybody in this room, um, especially those that need healing, who need to hear from you tonight, Lord. I pray, uh, I pray that they get an encouraging message. I pray that you speak through me, Lord. Lord, I pray for those who walked in expecting to hear Pastor Parker and got me instead. I pray that they get out of it too. Lord, I pray for uh, Patrick Mahomes' knee because he's on my fantasy team and I care way more than I want to right now. Uh, and all God's people said. Amen. So I'm going to Quentin Tarantino this thing. And any Quentin Tarantino fans? Okay, good. Cool. Uh, so it's, that's when you start with the ending and then you like, build the movie until you get there, for those that don't know. <clears throat> so uh, it doesn't end well for Simon. Some scholars believe that Simon um, is actually the founder of Gnosticism. We won't get into that because it's super weird. Uh, but it's basically like this like, little subdivision of kind of Christianity that believes in the power of intellect and knowledge. And they basically raised Simon up to be like this Gnostic Jesus. Um, Anyways, this dude was like, hey, y'all bury me alive and I'm gonna raise in three days. And spoiler alert, he didn't raise. Like that's how how it ended for Simon. Yeah, so... So let's talk about, the, let's talk about the, the sorcery, when it says the magic arts, the sorcery that he was doing in Samaria so that we can be really clear about it. Because it wasn't just parlor tricks, like the card tricks that you see at Disney World. Um, it was like really weird stuff, right? And so it's important to know that like that's still possible and that God allows that to be possible, but it's from the enemy, right? Let's talk about necromancy, talking to dead people. He talks about future telling. Like, he tells people's future and reads tarot cards. 
He leans heavily into astrology and he still heals people, but it's all in the name of the enemy. And so like it looks, it looks a lot like stuff that you might see a Jesus follower do, but it's not of, it's not of Jesus, right? And so it's important. It's important to know that like if you aren't careful, you, you kind of can't see the difference, but you need to know, you need to know where it's from, right? So, uh, the spirit that he was listening to was of enemy, fear, and flesh. The title of tonight's message is Simon Says. And you see what I did there? Like, uh, the big idea is that Simon says what Simon says reveals in his heart, right? And so um, let's go to Luke real quick. A good man brings good things out of good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And this is Simon, man, like, because of the spirit Simon was listening to, everything he focused on was wrong. And Peter kind of called it out. He kind of, like, told us the end, right? And, and we're going we're gonna to keep laddering back to what Peter said, even though it was harsh. And uh, one, of, one, of the, one of the guys on our crews called it a sledgehammer. I love that this week. Andy, where you at? And uh, is that, that's exactly what it was. It was a sledgehammer, right? But it was right. He said uh, his heart was not right. It wasn't straight before God. He had a root of bitterness, which is a super churchy term for saying that he had unhealed envy, jealousy, hurt, pain in his heart that changed everything about him. And then he was a slave to sin. So, as in typical fashion, I'm going to have seven points because I still can't be as concise as Pastor Parker. But y'all are with me. We're in this together. We're going to blow through them. It's going to be great. Uh, So this is seven focuses of an evil heart. Seven focuses of an evil heart. Number one, power and position over people. Power and position over people. Uh, Verse nine says this, for some time he had astounded the people of Samaria with his magic, boasting to be somebody great. Simon's in like an identity crisis, man. Like it's exhausting to me to have to look at the world and say, I gotta constantly be something. I gotta constantly strive to make ourselves famous. And C.S. Lewis probably says it better than I could ever say it. He says, the more we let God take us over, the more truly ourselves we become. Because he made us, he invented us, he invented all the different people that you and I were intended to be. It is when I turn to Christ, when I give up myself to his personality that I first begin to have a real personality of my own. That's amazing. That's really good. But see, Simon didn't have, he had no, no desire to change lives, to help people in worship, help people in devotion. It was, all about, it was all about him. His focus was wrong. He, he, was, uh, <laughs> he, he was existing to make himself famous, not God famous. All right, number two. Number two, applause over affirmation. Everyone from least to greatest among them was dazzled by his sorcery, saying, this man is the greatest wizard of all. The divine power of God walks among us. For many years, everyone was in awe of him because of his astonishing displays of magic. This is in verse 10. I'm not a fan of applause, I'm, I'm pretty thankful for it, uh, that I'm not like super addicted to it, but we live in a world that is addicted to applause. Like it's why, it's like, it's like the motivating factor behind everything that you do. Like see also Instagram. Like you, you like, I can't wait to because spoiler alert, Instagram's gonna take that little ticker at the bottom of the page away. And so it's not gonna matter how many people liked your thing. Um, but like, just like Simon, we turn our focus to the applause 
versus the affirmation of something bigger. If I get praised for something and then rely on that to keep going, you're going to be resentful. Like a wor- the world is going to say the more people that like that, the more people that like you, the more people that give you praise for the things that you do, the better off you'll be, and that's a lie. It doesn't matter. The only, one, the only opinion that matters is his, and it's really, really hard to, to, to remember that when we're flooding through notifications and we're flooding through uh, validation and we're flooding through the, the, the empty praise and the puffing up of our peers who aren't really for us? What if we were satisfied with just God's approval? What if we were satisfied with just his blessing and just what he thinks of us? Like, how would our life change? Number three. (laughs) Number three, he, Simon made Christ a piece of his life, but not the centerpiece of his life. It's probably up on the screen behind me. That's fine. Ryan, you're killing it. Uh, give it up for Ryan. <laughs> James 2 says this, uh, or sorry, uh, no, verse 13 says, even Simon believed and was baptized. Wherever Philip went, Simon was right by his side, astounded by all the miracle signs and enormous displays of power he witnessed. Man, this really stinks because in the text, uh, Simon uh, gets baptized. He, he proclaims Jesus as Lord of his life and he says, hey, I repent of my sin, um, but his motives are wrong. And we don't know that at this moment. Philip doesn't know that. He's stoked. He's stoked out of his mind because uh, James 2.9 says, belief in God is, is not enough. Even the demons have that. Simon's faith required nothing of himself, no repentance, no risk. Uh, Simon was lying at that moment just to be a part of the team, which is to be a part of the club, and that's super unfortunate. Um, but what's even worse is that his faith was built on miracles. And this is the lesson for us. Like, we cannot operate throughout our life depending constantly on miracles. Because that's what that says, that's faith by sight. That's us saying, I need to see this thing constantly to believe. And that's just, that's just not gonna last long. The Latin maxim, I love this. It says, we must hope for the best, and you can insert for all people, for all things. We must hope for the best for as long as we can. That's it. Like that's, that's, like, a, that's like a proclamation of the church. We must always hope for the best in people, even when their motives are wrong until it's no longer possible. But I can tell you before we move on to four, I don't want a mediocre faith. Anybody here want a mediocre faith? I want a faith that doesn't require God to do anything based on me saying that. I don't want a faith that says, hey man, I'm not gonna do this unless you do this. I just want, I just want to believe. I wanna have faith that he is who he is and that's how I wanna live. So, uh, number four. Transaction over relationship. When Simon saw how, holy, how the Holy Spirit was released through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he approached them and offered them money. Guys, I'll tell you, um, we don't serve a transactional God. We serve a relational God. God doesn't care what you do. He doesn't care um, about the, the things that you do in everyday life. He just cares that you want to know him. But, like, the world's going to tell you we're, we suffer from this thing called equivalent retaliation. We've talked about this a lot, equivalent retaliation. We, we, we talk about this a lot where if somebody does something nice for you, what's your immediate response? I want to do something nice for them. I'm going to outdo that, right? You get a gift, and somebody's just trying to love you. You're like, no, no, I'm going to love them. So, like, they aren't winning in love. And I think, that's weird. Just, like, dude, like, take the gift. Take the compliment. 
Like, in fact, it's kind of, it's kind of an insult to not just receive. But the same thing happens on the other side. When somebody does something mean to us and somebody, like, hurts us, it's the immediate response, the visceral human response is to want to hurt them back or to make sure something bad happens to them. But we take this, this, this equivalent retaliation, more commonly known as tit for tat or quid pro quo, and we bring it into our relationship with God. And any time that we do that, we devalue his sovereignty. We say, hey, uh, I, when, uh, sorry, when we do good for him, we deserve good for him. And when we do bad things, he will ignore us or punish us. This isn't, the, this isn't the character of God. This isn't how God works. Are you transactional with God? We must walk into the realization that tra- being tra- we are tr- if we are transactional with God and we treat him like anybody else, our expectation, expectation and trust in him will fade. When you think you can earn, you forget his power, what Jesus did on the cross, and that you need him. Our whole life and our walk with faith is moving from the worldly perspective of uh, what do I need to do to get what I want, that's what the world wants, to what does God want for my life? And that's how we should, that's our posture. That's not what Simon's posture was. My, Simon's posture was, what do I need to do? What do I need to say? Who do I need to be to get what I want? Versus saying, what does Jesus want for my life? Number five, this is my favorite This is not my favorite focus of Simon, obviously. This is my favorite point. You could preach a whole sermon on just this point. Simon was focused on the gift and not the giver. And we do this a lot. This is going to hurt some people, right? Because we do this as a church. We do this as a people in everyday life. We talk about people's gift and we elevate them. Anybody experience that? Simon goes up to Peter and is like, yo, 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 Peter, Peter, my man. Hey, listen. I know these people, I got this plan, man. Like, listen, if you give me this thing, this thing that you're doing, give it to me, man, we're gonna make money. Like, we're gonna do this thing. We're gonna take over. That is Simon's posture in all of this. He had his identity in gifts. He focused on the gift. I, I do this sometimes, like, when, I, when, you, when you over-identify with something in your life, uh, I, I CrossFit, I Olympic lift, um, I like lifting heavy things off the ground and then putting them down in repetition. It's, it's kind of a hobby. I put, I put a lot of my identity in my belonging to a gym and my liking to lift weights. And my buddy Mike and I met about two years ago, uh, and he came in on a day that we were supposed to be lifting really, really heavy. And I'm kind of known for being a guy who lifts a lot of weight. And this guy comes in, this dude comes in and just outlifts me with little effort. And I was crushed. It affected every single part of my life. Like, I was demolished. I came home, Kayla would ask me nicely, sweetly, how was your workout? I'd be like, terrible. Everything's awful, nothing's okay. And I don't know, I don't know who I am anymore. But you got to see this guy, like, he just straight up just went in here, and he tried to shame me, and she's like, no, he didn't. Like, he just was, he was just being his best. And we do this a lot with our gifts. Um, we, we focus more on having the gifts and what gifts God gave us and if our gifts are better than others and uh, are our gifts good, are our gifts the best gifts versus just 
saying, hey, like, I'm just thankful to have a God that gives us gifts. He didn't have to. Like, like I'm just thankful that God would say, hey, I want to I wanna bless you. And the best analogy um, I can think of, and before I get there, it's not bad to want gifts. I think it's important, it's important to note that it's not bad to want gifts. Wanting gifts and wanting blessings and asking God for talents and to reveal those to you, that in and of itself isn't bad. But the best analogy I have for it is a child asking his father for something. And say, say my son came up to me and said, hey, Dad, can I have a Nintendo? And I asked him, why? Why do you want a Nintendo? He'd say, because all my friends have it. I'd say, no, nah, that's, that's not a good reason. But if he came up to me and said, hey, Dad, I want a big tent or a hammock. And I asked him, why? And he said, I just want to spend time with you. I'd be like, whew, game over, man. Yeah. And that's how God is with us. When we talk about our gifts, when we ask him for stuff, he just wants us to want to know him. He wants us to focus on him. He wants relationship. He doesn't want this transactional thing. He just wants us to know him. Man, Marcus is dude, look at this guy. Like he's just a, whoo, you want to make something extra spiritual, you just had Marcus, okay? <laughs> give it up, give it up. <laughs> Let's get back into it. Here we go. James, James says this, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from a father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Matthew says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. But even better, uh, I love this song and, you know, um, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And that's, that's like, it's so cool to me because I get really tired and I got a feel for Simon in that regard because he's chasing after this gift instead of the giver. And we do that a lot as Christians and non-Christians. We say, hey, I just, I wanna, I wanna do stuff. I wanna have that stuff. I wanna have that thing and that power. Number six, we're almost done. Understanding over, and this is a dirty word, obedience. We say obedience, and I'm, I, I mean this. I think that everybody is obedient. Everybody, 100% of the population is obedient. It is who you are obedient to. You say, I'm obedient to the people who have high expectations for me. I'm obedient to my, my crappy desires, or I'm obedient to what God wants for me. And it's really, really hard we live in a world that praises understanding and intellect. We live in a world that says, hey, you need to know everything. You need to understand before you decide everything. Have a comprehensive, continuous knowledge of the subject for you to make a decision. And that's not true. It's at odds with faith. And I can tell you that you could spend five minutes in obedience to Christ and understand more of his wonders than a thousand years of study. Do you do this? Do you, do you pride yourself in knowing? Do you pride yourself in being the know-it-all? Side note, nobody likes that guy. Nobody likes that girl. But man, like, if you just, if you follow what he has for your life, he'll reveal to you all the miracles, all the wonders, all the mysteries in an instant. In obedience, that's the only way that that happens. Oof. 
It's a matter of obedience. All God's revealed truths are sealed until they're open for us through obedience. You will never ever open the mysteries of God through philosophy or thinking. You can sit there and ponder. You can read volumes on the work of the Holy Spirit when five minutes of total uncompromising obedience would make things as clear as sunlight. There are just things we're never gonna understand, like free will, the Trinity. How did the animals, like were the animals like actually like, were they nice to each other? Like we're like, we're like bears and marmots like next door to each other on the ark. Like, why do men have nipples? We'll just never know. And I think it's a pretty good picture of just not, not like seeking a comprehensive, prideful understanding of it all. It's just not ever going to satisfy you. All right, last one. Remorse. He focused on remorse over repentance. Simon begged, Peter, please pray to God for me. Plead with me so that nothing you just said over me may come to pass. Pray for me. Repent for me. Man, I feel Simon sometimes. Uh, I, I, I texted Kayla earlier in the week and I was like, hey, I need, I need a fight. I need like one of our biggest fights that we've ever had as an illustration so I can communicate this. And within an instant, she, she gave me this example. Kayla and I, Kayla and I fight a lot, not a lot, like we fight a decent amount, but it was actually kind of funny that we laughed about, we couldn't think of like a specific instance like that we really wanted to bring up. Um, and uh, mostly the reason that we fight is because like she's still learning how to let me mold and shape her, you know, like, <laughs> guys, I'm, okay, I'm sorry. That's a, that's a, that's a Christian joke. And it's like, if you guys know my wife, like, you know that she can do no wrong. And like nine times, like, 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 like nine times out of 10, uh, we compromise and do exactly what she wants. And so like, like that's, that's, that's mostly what we do. But we have this rule in our house. We have this rule in our house um, that we don't, we don't just say, I'm sorry. That we don't just say, I'm sorry. Cause I'm sorry means nothing. Have you ever heard this? I'm sorry you feel that way. Or saying I'm sorry is really just you taking all the shame and guilt on yourself and just sitting with it so that you feel better about sitting with your guilt. We'll come back to that real quick. We went to Rome as a, as with my family and her family and we got there. I did all my research. I said, hey, we're gonna go to the Vatican. We're gonna go and we're gonna spend time there because it's awesome. And we couldn't get in because we were wearing open-toed shoes. And so I said, there's gotta be a back entrance. See, one of my spiritual gifts is pride. Um, I'm kidding. That's not a spiritual gift. Don't write that down. Don't. That's, that's a joke. Uh, I said, let's just walk around and see if there's another entrance. Uh, who knows that the Vatican's actually a country? Like, like it's actually like a big country. Like, like it's not insignificant size. Uh, it's got humongous walls. We walked all the way around. All the way. And uh, there was no other entrance. And uh, in that moment, I was so... I was so prideful and I was so angry. Uh, I was just like, I'm sorry y'all had to walk that far. I'm sorry that, uh, you know, I'm sorry that you're mad, you know, like versus saying, hey, 
uh, will you forgive me? Like that's the rule in our house. You don't just get to say, I'm sorry. You ask for forgiveness in that moment. And that's, that's, the, that's actually the hard part because that puts the ball in their, that person's court because you hurt them. And so when I ask Kayla or I do something stupid, which is a lot, like we almost just skip, I'm sorry. I'm like, ah, oh. you reference it, you, you, you describe it. You say, I can't imagine how that made you feel. Will you forgive me? Can you forgive me? Is way better than I'm sorry. For all those people in, uh, in relationships and trying to figure out if they should get married or not, the, you, can, you, can put that, you can put that in your pocket. You can take that with you to the grave. But this is a good illustration. Do you simply sit in your shame? Do you dialogue with yourself about what you did wrong? Or do you bring it to God? The problem with Simon is that he couldn't even pray. He had seen too. It's important to note that there is 16 verses ahead of this that says, hey, uh, here are all these miracles of all these people falling out in the spirit, crying and weeping, getting baptized, professing their faith, crying out to God. He couldn't even pray. He said, can you do it for me? I think that could be a lot of extension. It was because of his unbelief. But I think sometimes we forget that too because we think our prayers have to be pretty. Like we look around and we see people who are farther along in their walk. Or we look at their relationship with God and say, man, I don't have the words like that. And you get kind of scared. It's like, I can't even approach God, you know? Like he's this being that expects you to be doctored up and detailed and super, super nice about your prayers. Most of my prayers look like, help, please, super need you. Like a hundred times. And that's it. All God wants is the talk. He doesn't want you to have the words. He just wants you to go straight to him and say, man, I messed up. I need to talk to you right now. That's it. And so here in closing, in closing, the problem with all of this was Simon's motivation, his focus, and his response to seeing all those things. Um, But what was even worse is that he called the Holy Spirit an it. And I can tell you that the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's a him. And the best analogy I have for the Holy Spirit is a family. I want everybody to think real quick about uh, the family that they, they absolutely love and adore. Like a couple that you love or a family that you've been a part of, maybe even your family. And when that family comes into the room and you feel the room shift, you feel the atmosphere change because of those people in the room, that's the spirit of that family. That's what the Holy Spirit is to Jesus and God. The Holy Spirit is the relationship between Jesus and God. It's not an it. It's a him. And you can't outdo him. You can't You can't earn him. You can't buy him. You can't fake him. You can only receive him. That's it. And it's the hardest thing in the world to just say, you know what, okay. I'm sorry. I messed up. And I want to receive this glory. I want to receive God's glory into my life. What's even harder is to break a root of bitterness like Simon has. You know, scientifically speaking, 
people have studied this for years. A root of bitterness will actually make you sick. If you have unhealed pain in your life, if you have envy and jealousy, if you covet, if you have real resentment in your heart, it will make you physically ill. And God did that on purpose because he wants us to say, you know what, I'm sorry, I wanna give this away. I don't want this anymore, God. I don't wanna feel this way. I wanna let this go. Will you take this from me? Take this from me. And that's the only thing we can do. I tell you all this because that's exactly what Simon should have done, but he didn't. I'll leave you with this. Hebrews 12, 14, 16 says, in every relationship, be swift to choose peace over competition and run swiftly towards holiness. For those who are not holy will, will not see the Lord. Watch over each other. Make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. Make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. And make sure no one lives over the root of bitterness, sprouting within them which will only cause trouble and poison in the hearts of many. It's our job. It's our job as believers to not let people forget. It's our job as believers to continuously make sure no one forgets. Paul, or unknown writer of Hebrews, made that very clear. He says, continuously make sure. Not like a, I'm gonna do this once a week thing. I'm gonna do this once a day thing. It's like, no, I'm gonna make sure that I'm gonna tell everybody about the glory of God. I'm gonna remind them who God is. I'm gonna be there for them always. I'm gonna talk about what God's doing in my life right now, right this moment, all the time. And we have to. So let's close in prayer. Father God, we thank you uh, for your love. We thank you for your direction. Father, we thank you uh, that you make these truths uh, so clear, that you give us both prescriptive texts and descriptive texts and tell us great stories that we can interpret and we can take a lot out of. Father, we pray for healing. We pray that you take any roots of bitterness in this room. Lord, we pray that this room knows to confess and that you are there always. And all we gotta do is say, hey, I got something. I got something I got to take to you. Lord, we give all glory, honor, and praise to you. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.